What's up, Lifehouse fam? Welcome back to the Life Talk Podcast. My name is Manny. And I'm Jarvis. And today we got a very special guest for you guys. Yes. We have our first late elder interview, Mr. Jason Crowler. What's going on, Jason? Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. We're so excited for you to join us. Um, you know, there's many people at our church who know who you are. They've heard you preach. They've heard you yeah. teach Bible study. and But then our church is, has been growing so much, too. And then somebody mm-hmm. might come in and be like, who's Jason? And maybe you're asked, what is an elder? And, and yeah. you know, we're... Yeah, we're starting a series uh, interviewing all our elders, and our heart is to, to end the series having all you guys on and just talk about what elders do and what it looks like and, and how they how the church operates under elders, eldership. Um, and that's our heart. For, we, we want our church to get to know you and, and, and just be educated about how things happen here and, and just how the church operates. So you, you have a lot of kids, man. I'm just going to start <laughs> off with that. <laughs> we do have a lot of kids. We do have a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah, we have six kids. Um <laughs> And that's typically thought of as a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> typically thought of as a lot. <laughs> Look, we first got to Lifehouse and we looked around and we were like, you know what? Three or four kids? That's about, that's normal. Like a lot of people had three or four kids. So we felt like we fit in yeah. and then we kept having them. Just kept- <laughs> I mean, you got a full basketball team basically. Yeah. 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 You run volleyball team. I, yeah, I have, that's really team. what we're yeah, aiming right. for. And we, yeah. now we have a volleyball team. I have go. a question written down here for way down later, but we're just going to ask it now. Are you shooting for the football team? <laughs> Not so much football team. Like I said, volleyball team is what we always, because Christy and I used to coach volleyball. Okay. And so we had always thought how, how fun would that be if we actually had yeah. a volleyball team? And technically, I guess we do. We have the six. That's right. Me and her yeah. can jump in. Subs. Yeah. yeah. We got subs even. Yeah. Man, that's nice. We got a full volleyball yeah, team. Look at that. Well, I mean, if you keep going, you'll have. Both sides of the volleyball. That's team. right. Then we can play. Yeah, we can play full game six on six, and we just have a few more right in That's the backyard. Right. <clears throat> That's right. Okay. Well, well, we're excited to dive in and and just you know I, I know you're a regular listener to the podcast. First of all, thank you for listening. Yes, thank Jason's you. Yeah, a faithful totally. listener. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you already know what the first question is going to be. <laughs> what is your earliest childhood memory? So I have. I was thinking about that. I have a couple, um, like really early childhood memories but they're usually just glimpses of like small things like i remember like a christmas tree being up and i was very very young um and you never know if it's like pictures yeah is it those pictures that you you used to flip through and you're like oh man i remember that but do i really remember it or i just remember looking at the picture over and over again but i do distinctly remember a time when i was in some kind of a high chair so i had to have been like three years old two three years old my mom was out of town my dad's job to feed us it was not going well. <laughs> he was trying to feed us this leftover meatloaf that my mom oh, had made. Okay. And I didn't want anything to do with it. And so I was like fighting against it. And eventually I ate some meatloaf and then I threw up all over the place. Oh man. And I distinct, it was just one of those things that like just sticks out in your mind. I remember huh. throwing up meatloaf all over the place. And to this day, you can ask Christy, I do not like meatloaf. Man. I'm totally opposed to hey, meatloaf. Uh, Three years old, and that's all. That's all you needed. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I think about what you said about like the pictures and stuff, and it's true because we went to Puerto Rico when EJ was three years old, and he and every time we bring it up, he's like, "Oh, I remember a pelican tried to bite me." I'm like, "You do not remember that. You just remember us telling you the story <laughs> right. over and yeah, over again." Yeah. So yeah. like, it's like he thinks it's a real memory. I'm like, "Bro, there's no way you remember that. Like, you don't remember anything else from the trip, but like it, mm-hmm. just that. Yeah, yeah he remembers that. Yeah. Like, you remember because I've said it to you a million times. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know. <laughs> so where are you from? Where did you grow up? So uh, I am from Red Lion, Pennsylvania. Nobody knows where that is. It's a small town in York County, Pennsylvania, which is one county west of Lancaster. Most people know where Lancaster is. You go north into PA, you hit Lancaster. One county to the west is York County, small town, 
Red Lion. Hmm. How'd you end up here? Uh, so ultimately I went to college at Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, right? In Elizabethtown. And, um, my sister, who's two years older, came down to UD. So she was at UD at the time when I was graduating and I was going to go on to grad school. And so one of the schools I looked at was UD because I was like, well, my sister's there. Like she'll be able to help me out and yeah. kind of point me in the right direction. And they had a great engineering program. So I was like, this seems good. And I got a great like scholarship. So I didn't even really look around. I wow. just said, let's go to UD. And the plan was to come down, get my, my master's degree at UD for two years and then go back home to PA. And that just like, there was a lot of things that <laughs> happened. <laughs> um, a lot of my testimony revolves around those, those several years, but a lot of things happened, but I ended up staying in Delaware and getting a, a teaching job and we just never left. And, and we'll get to, we'll get yeah, to that yeah, point yeah. And, and we'll hear all those details. Of yeah. So the next question, and, and I just <clears throat> picture in my head, cause I know all your kids, yeah. it was like, what was your childhood? <laughs> like, like what, what were you like? And, and for some reason, I just picture you being like your oldest son. That's right. Jordan, like just, just knowing your personality now as an adult, like I feel like he's the closest one to you. I could be completely wrong, but no, I'm Jordan is definitely a lot like me in many ways. He's also a lot like Christy, like Christy will point out things that, that he does. And she's going, man, he got that for me. <laughs> um, but he's very smart, right? He's like a thinker. And I always was, but I was also very high strung when mm. I was young. Like I was, I was, I was hyper. I was all over the place, wow. you know, running around. We have, I don't even know if I should bring this up. <laughs> Super embarrassing. But we like we have we have video footage of me at like Christmases and I'm the I'm the hyper kid jumping off okay. the walls, doing somersaults and like wow. you know, ripping packages apart. Like that was me. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like sliding across the floors and <laughs> and I see Jordan doing the same thing. Yeah. He has that like, I don't care who's watching, I'm just gonna be goofy and crazy. And yeah. um Yeah, he's he's very much like me. Man. So getting a little bit older. What was it like in middle school, right? We knew middle school might mm-hmm. be rough for some people. Yeah. Middle school. I think everyone not. has struggles in middle school. Yeah. Like th- I don't think there's anyone who looks back and goes, middle school was awesome. Like, <laughs> I kind of liked middle school. <laughs> I mean, I had a good time. There's a lot of things that wasn't good about middle school. But when I look back on it, I'm like, that was a pretty good time. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have a bad time in middle school, but it was definitely, you know, one of those awkward times. I was super shy, mm-hmm. right? So elementary school was was several years of me being that like excited hyper kid that didn't really care i was just you know at home i was whatever i was jumping yeah. off the walls and throughout the years of elementary school you realize that that doesn't usually fly with other kids yeah like that becomes more and more weird and awkward and so i started like kind of going into my shell mm-hmm. and so i became very quiet and shy so by the end of elementary school moving into middle school I didn't talk to a lot of people. I had a couple friends. Yeah. It's not like I was getting picked on. I wasn't like, you know, that kid, but I was really smart. Um, and so I didn't fit in all the time with a lot of kids. You know, I was just, I, I was just, I was the kid that was like, just, I was, I would get like the hundred on the test and everyone would be like, really, really <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Like I don't know, I just got them all right. <laughs> me and Jars were the other kids. Yeah, right. Come exactly. On. exactly. Come on. Like school was just easy for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that I, I completely, I completely, you know, attribute that to God. He just gave me the ability to like understand things quickly. I just yeah. picked up on stuff faster yeah. than other people. You know, not not that I'm smarter than everybody else. Yeah, I just picked it up and faster. That's the thing. Like for me, like school came easy to me too. I just didn't care, and and I wish I yeah. would have. Like because when I when I put focus into it, it was just like. 
man, this is easy. Yeah. But I was too busy trying to be cool and trying to be the, you know, the, the funny guy. I never took it serious. Right. And, and, you know, you always look back and like, man, I wish I would have yeah. took that serious. Because now I'm like, right. oh, my son, like, you, you got a, a, nine, a 89? That's unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could barely get a 50. Yeah. yeah. And my parents did a lot with that. Like, they pushed me okay. to, to be good academically. And I, I didn't really have that place where I was cool or I fit in. And I I didn't like try to pursue that because yeah. that had kind of fallen apart in elementary school. I realized I wasn't the cool kid. I I didn't follow that crowd. I, I just never fit in. Um, so I had academics, right? Yeah. Like that was my bubble. I was just good at academics, and I stayed in that in that bubble. Um, do you think jumping forward a little bit here? But do you think that helped you become a teacher? Just yeah. I mean, my dad was a teacher. For a while. And so, you know, I, I'm not sure how you know, the Holy Spirit works in that, but I definitely believe that God gave me a gift for teaching. And I think part of that came like from my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, he was always very good at explaining things and I could yeah. tell he had that like teacher spirit. Um, but even from an early age, I just enjoyed teaching people things. It didn't matter what it was. I was just good at explaining stuff and I was patient and like, yeah it just came naturally to teach people things. I mean, once we got to high school, I know it's kind of jumping ahead, but like in high school we would have um, like these study groups by the time we got to 11th and 12th grade, we would get together and like study calculus and physics together. And I would essentially just teach everybody. Yeah. Man. Like everybody sit around and I would just like teach them. Man. Um, I mean, and I enjoyed it. Like I liked that. It's a perfect segue. So, other than teaching people stuff in high school, what was what was high school, Jason, like, you know? Did it just go from middle school, flow right into high school, or did things change? Yeah, the first couple of years of high school were the same. I was very introverted, didn't talk to a lot of people, um, didn't know a lot of people, but I did play sports. So people knew me as, you know, the, the kid that was good at baseball. Like, I played, I played baseball and golf, um, and I was good at academics. Like, those were my two bubbles. Um, but I, again, still very introverted. Like I was good at sports, but that didn't, I wasn't like the popular sports kid Yeah. for whatever reason. It just didn't work that way. Um, but you know, when it came to academics, it, that was, that's just where I was. But then in 11th and 12th grade year, uh, as I started to get to know Christy, cause like we started dating in high school, which I don't recommend to anyone, <laughs> but I know that's a different podcast. <laughs> um, but like she had a group of friends that I started to get to know and hang out with. And so like all of a sudden I had more yeah. like acquaintances yeah. and uh, yeah, I had a group where I didn't really have a group before. And yeah. so 11th and 12th grade year, I felt like I kind of came out of my shell because I could walk down the hall and like say hi to a bunch of people. Yeah. Not because I didn't know, them, but like they were all Christie's friends. Yeah, yeah. So like that, friend bubble got a lot bigger very quickly Opened up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, and I think I just matured. I mean, you mature in high school. Yeah. So like things yeah. change my 11th and 12th grade year. I kind of came out of that awkward stage and kind of figured out how to interact with people a little bit more. Um, and so the last couple of years in high school were great, mm. right? Had, had some, had some friends. Academics was good. Sports were great. Something I find funny is like, you're talking about a middle school. You were the kind of the, not the one who got picked on, but people would be like, for a hundred. Yeah. I just think it's so funny that like the people who don't get hundreds like and aren't academic, like that just that's who you choose to like pick on. <laughs> you're like, you're smart, really? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. And it's like what? Like how, that, <laughs> yeah. that's a good thing. Like, yeah, right. I don't know. It's crazy. 
<clears throat> and you said you were insecure, right? Exactly. Like, like, it's like you don't pride. like someone being better than you at something. Exactly. And so you're going to put them down. It's so crazy. Yeah. I'm like, doesn't even make sense. Um, so you said you went to Elizabethtown, right? Yeah, it's college. How was that? Like, you went there the four years and yeah, then you so, for the two. So Christy and I both went to Elizabethtown College for four years. She was for math. She went as a math major. I went for um, physics and engineering. Um, and it was good. Like, it was a good college experience. Yeah. But I would definitely say, and we haven't talked really about my, my spiritual walk at all, um, but it definitely wasn't the best years mm-hmm. for me spiritually. Uh Christian home parents were, were great. Um, Christian parents, they, they raised me well. Um, there were still issues that I found myself getting into, but once I left home, I kind of left that, that protective bubble of my Mm -hmm. parents' household. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't like fall off the deep end. Right. Like I had a group of friends that, that would routinely, you know, party and drink and I would just seclude myself in the, in my room but was I really like when I think about the college kids that we have, like our, like our college group, you know, I think back, I wasn't the kid on fire for Jesus. I wasn't telling everyone, mm. you know, the gospel, I wasn't inviting people to church. I just kind of like went back to middle school, Jason. I like went yeah. back to being in my bubble um, and just kind of got through those four years and made friends, you know, but I, I was not doing what I should have been doing spiritually. And I also found myself getting into, you know, like, sin issues that I, I didn't have before. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a struggle. Um, but there were some things that I like held the line with and other things that I just, I, I didn't. So at what age did you <clears throat> understand the gospel and, and have true saving faith? So <laughs> that's a good question. I truly believe that when I was like seven or eight years old, and the only reason I say this is because, um, I still remember the moment, mm. right? Like it's, it's one of those pivotal moments, kind of like throwing up the, the meatloaf. Yeah. Like it's one of those experiences that you just never forget. Yeah. Um, I remember coming out of the basement with my bike, right. In, in our old house in Redline, Pennsylvania, we lived right in town, like on the main street. Uh, and so we would get our bikes out and we would just ride the, the, the block, right. For hours and hours. And I got my bike out same as I would have any other day. And I go to push my bike up the little narrow sidewalk between the two big like houses because they're row homes, right? There's this little narrow gap to get out to the main sidewalk. And I, I hit the sidewalk with my bike and I just freeze. And it was like paralyzing fear. Now I'd grown up in a Christian home. I had heard countless sermons about who Jesus is and who we are and sin and hell and consequences and all of that. Like I knew it all, but in that moment, for whatever reason, um, I feel like God like opened, opened my eyes to see the, the reality of hell in that moment. Right. Like for the first time I felt the full weight of if I died right now, riding my bike, I would go to hell. Cause even though I had heard everything, I never really, I never really accepted that grace. Right. And so for the first time that weight of hell, like fell on me and I froze literally paralyzed in fear and with nobody else around, nobody leading me. I literally just cried out to God and was like, you need to save me. I don't want to go to hell. I know you're the only way. Like 
as a, only an eight or seven year old could do. Mm-hmm. Right. Very simply, I just said, God, I need you to save me. I know I'm a sinner. Um, I rode my bike around the block. (laughs) It was so now if I die, I'm good. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that's kind of what it was though. It was kind of like that moment where now I felt like I was good. Yeah. Right. Like I did what I was supposed to do. I I know I'm saved. I I believe all of all of gospel. Like I believe Jesus was the only way he died on the cross for my sins. I believed it all, but it was the first time I really cried out to God for salvation. But then after that, as an eight year old, you're going, okay, like I'm yeah, good, normal right? Life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, okay, now I can go back to living my life because I'm saved, and that's really what happened for yeah. years and years. I just lived a a mediocre spiritual life without much change at all. Mm. And I think a lot of people have that experience. They get saved or quote unquote saved young. Yeah. And I think it's it's a true salvation experience. I really yeah. I believe it is. The problem, and I've learned this over time. God has been very gracious to reveal this over time. I truly believe that I was saved and I believed that Jesus was my savior and I knew I needed him as my savior, but what I didn't acknowledge was him as my Lord, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Jesus is supposed to be our Lord and savior and he was never my Lord. He was just my savior. Yeah. And I, I, I do believe, especially for an eight year old, like that's enough. Like had I died, I do believe I would have went to heaven. Uh, I, I think, I think there was enough faith there but my life didn't look the way it should have. Yeah. And that's been a, that's been a long experience I mean, and there's been like mile markers along yeah. the way. Many, many Christians, I mean, Jesus, <clears throat> they may not think of it this way or like, he's just an insurance policy. Like, yep. All right. Yep. In case I get into this accident. Yeah. I, I got insurance. That's and, exactly. And, and that's not, you know, but, and as you know, we all know that that's not what he wants from us. That's yeah. not what he wants for us. Right. Like, there's so much more. So before we even continue, can you just take us on a little, spiritual journey of how from that i mean from that moment up until those college years that we were just talking about like how how was your spiritual journey throughout those years yeah i mean so honestly my spiritual journey really followed that that kind of path of of academics i was good at learning stuff so i learned the bible really well right we went to church all the time i heard sermons i was in the the children's churches i was in the youth group like I learned yeah. a lot. I could tell you all the stories, the names, the the places, the people, right? Like I had all of the not the book knowledge. I know yeah. Pastor Mark says this all the time. Like like it was a lot of head knowledge, but it never really made it to my heart. You know, I I followed the rules because I wanted to be a rule follower, yeah. right? right? But I wasn't doing it to glorify God. I was doing it because I didn't want to be in trouble. Yeah, like I was. I just wanted to be a good kid, yeah. right? And I didn't. I feared my parents. <laughs> I, was like, I knew if I had, you know, strayed, you know, in any of these ways, I'd, I'd, you know, hear it from my parents. I was yeah. like, I'll just, I'll do the right things. I know what the right things are and I'll do them. Um, so from the outside in, everybody looked at me and like, man, what a great kid. Look at that. Jason Kreidler. He's so yeah. good. He's good. He choo choos. <laughs> but you know, inside in my heart, like nothing had changed, mm. you know, I, and I think God was teaching me things, yeah. but it wasn't until later in life, college and beyond where those lessons really started to come back and play out in a very real way. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to get in like my actual testimony, but like, like that, that's kind of where it starts. Like in, even from a very early age, um, somewhere in elementary or middle school, um, I find my, I found myself addicted to pornography, mm. you know, in, in a, a friend's basement, there's magazines, 
and you see it for the first time and all of a sudden you're hooked, right? Now, when I was really young, I didn't have an opportunity to view pornography nearly as much as people do now. Like right. it's super prevalent. Like at that point, like you had to fall upon it and right. like now it's just right. But it was something that once I saw it for the first time, I was hooked. It just, it's not like I had access to it on a daily basis, but then you move forward a couple of years and all of a sudden the internet comes to our house and now I have access. Like if my parents are out of the house or something and I'm on the computer, now I have access mm-hmm. again, not every day. Cause you don't always have the availability, but slowly and steadily I gained more and more, you know, access to that. And it crept into my life more and more and more. And had I had full access back when I was like 10 or 11, I mean, I would have been completely hooked. It it was the only reason I wasn't originally is because of access privileges. But then you get to college and oh my goodness, like you have all the freedom in the world. And it just, it was a a snowball. Mm. Uh, But it was something I hid from everybody. Like nobody knew, didn't tell anyone. Um, And so it was that, it was that, thing that really had me chained down um just a hidden sin everyone would look at my life and say oh you know you're doing such a great job but inside i knew you know i had this huge sin that i couldn't get rid of and i did want to right ultimately i knew um by the time i was in college I, i recognized this thing had me right and and i did not want any part of it but once you've gone that far and you're you're in that deep like you yeah. can't get rid of it. I tried all the things like, um, and just couldn't get rid of it. And I used to get so mad. I was like, God, I've prayed how many times for you to take this away from me. And, and it's not going away. And I got to a point <clears throat> thinking that like marriage would fix it. So anyone who's out there going, you know, this will just be fixed when I get married. It doesn't fix it guys. Yeah. First of all, some all the time, man, it's just, it's just only a matter of time before it just flows into that. Right back. Yeah. 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 So like marriage didn't fix it. Um, and, so like, and we're like out of college now I'm married and this thing is still prevalent, right? I'm still looking at pornography all the time. Um, and we're, we're involved in the church, right? In our current church, uh, which was uh, up North near, um, like in Newark, Newark area. And we were living further North at that point. Um, but we were, uh, involved in the youth group. And we're helping out with youth. And so we're talking about these issues and I'm like trying to talk to kids about this stuff. And I'm going, man, what a hypocrite, like what a dummy, like I've got this in my own life and I'm trying to tell you to stay away from it because I recognized how terrible it was. I just couldn't get rid of it. Right. But at the same time, and this is, this is one of those things that when I talk to people about um, sin and pornography and other things that, that could be in your life, there's usually something else there that either you don't want to acknowledge or you're unwilling to, or you don't even think about. So I grew up in, again, like the video game era, right? Like when I was young, Nintendo came out yeah, and then it was the super Nintendo, right? And then the 64 and like, I just rode the wave of every time a system came out, I got the next one and I jumped on that first train. Like I had all the systems all the way up through. And so video gaming became Again, more and more part of my life. I spent more and more time playing video games. You get to college and now you're you're in the Xbox PlayStation era and people are playing video games all the time and I'm yeah. in that wave. Uh, and I never thought anything about it. 
I was just like, video game. I can play video games as much as I want. What's yeah. the big deal? Like this isn't yeah. hurting anybody. Um, and every time I would hear a sermon about like sin, secret sin in your life, which, you know, the sermons come up all the time and like lay your sins at the altar and like give it to, give it to Jesus. Um, the Holy spirit would always convict me of playing video games. I'm like, what is the video game part? Yeah. Like I have this other sin. That's a big deal in my life. Why, why are you putting your finger on video games? Mm. Like I like the video games. Get rid of the pornography, please. Yeah. Like I'll keep video games and we get rid of this. And then it's a good trade. Right. Um, and the Holy spirit would always put his finger on video games. And I'm going, this is backwards, right? Like, shouldn't we deal with pornography first? Well, in college, it just so happened that I got hooked on one specific video game that really sucked a ton of time. Like, you know, I got, I got deep into this thing and was playing hours and hours and hours on end. Um, it, it caused like issues with our marriage. Like our marriage was not in a good place because of how often I played video games. Um, and I was super selfish back then. It, it was terrible. Which game uh, was it? I'm just curious. <clears throat> it was Warcraft. Okay. Mm. It was a computer game. Yeah. And I played all the time. By, by the time I finished and we got rid of it, we looked and over a three-year period, I had played for almost a year wow. of real-time gaming. Man. That's eight hours on average every day for three years straight. Mm. It's crazy. It's a lot of time. Yeah. And had you asked me back then, I would have been like, it's not that much. Yeah. Like, and I don't actually play eight hours. Sometimes I just leave the computer on and yeah. it's just, it's on, but I'm not playing. I would justify it so many different ways. It was mm. awful. It was wow. terrible. Like I say terrible. I should not have been doing that. Um, and so that was the thing the Holy spirit would always call out. And we were getting ready to go on a youth retreat. Um, and for whatever reason, I listened this time, like the Holy spirit for probably the thousandth time said, you got to get rid of this, Mm -hmm. right? Just pressed on that, that area of my life. And I finally said, okay, but I don't know how, like I'm too far into that as well. I was addicted to video games and addicted to pornography. And so I went to Christy one day and I was like, look, I got to get rid of this game. And she started crying immediately because like she had been waiting for this moment for three years straight. Right. She knew how terrible it was for me and our relationship. Um, and I said, I can't do it by myself. You need to help me. So we went on the computer together. We deleted the accounts. We got rid of all the the stuff. We like literally broke the CDs and threw them away. So I couldn't reload it. I couldn't like, there was nothing I could do. I couldn't go back, um, essentially. Uh, and that was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. Um, it felt devastating on one hand because I was like, man, I put so much time into this but at the end of the day when i took a step back and i looked i was like i put time into nothing Mm. it was a complete waste of my life uh and i just i just blew that that time away and so we go in this youth retreat like that following weekend and at that retreat um there was a moment at the end of the first night where kids were supposed to come up and like share with their leaders and this kid starts talking to me about pornography in their life And I just break down and I started like crying and weeping. And for the first time ever, I admitted what I was doing and what was in my life. Um, And I confessed my sin openly for the first time ever. Uh, And I cried for a very long time. And then that night, like we gathered together as a group and we were just sharing what God was, was doing in our lives and like what, what 
had happened that first night and things we were hearing from God. Uh, and I just like felt so free to share with everyone, which was so strange because I'd hidden it for years and years and years and years and years. Um, but it was like, it was like a switch. Like the Holy spirit did a miracle. Um, when we say like the chains were broken, it was a like some kind of a spiritual thing that I cannot explain, but I recognized that I was free yeah. for the first time ever in my life since getting addicted to pornography. I felt spiritually free. Like it wasn't shackling me mm. right for so many years. I would like try be like, I'm going to be good now. Right. And then you always have in the back of my, your mind, like that feeling like it's still there and eventually it's going to pull you back down. And it always does. <clears throat> But after that moment, it's like, it's like the Lord just freed me spiritually. Yeah. And I was never the same, right? Never went back, felt for the first time free to look people in the eyes, never looked people in the eyes, right? Always felt like if someone looked me in the eyes, they could see my sin, Mm. right? That secret that was in there. So I would never look people in the eyes. And if you ask Christy, she was, she'll say the same thing. She's like, Hey, you started looking people in the eyes now. I'm like, my life changed drastically. There's a dramatic change after that moment. Um, and you know, I spent time going around and asking for forgiveness. People, my parents, like I was, I was doing that on their computer at home. So I I went to them. I, I talked to some of close friends and mentors and told them what was going on and what, what God had done. Um, but that I believe was the moment when Jesus became my Lord. So we had that moment when I was young where Jesus was my savior and I recognized it, but it wasn't until that moment at the youth retreat where I feel like I finally gave him my life and said, I can't do it anymore. And I confessed my sin. And that's actually when we get down to the very end and we talk about favorite verses, like it's one of my favorite verses Mm -hmm. because confessing your sin one to another really does heal you. Like God uses that when you bring sin into the light he uses it to heal us, not physically, although he can heal us physically, but spiritually, like we're healed when we confess our sin openly, when we bring it into the light. Um, so he became my Lord that day wow. yeah. and everything changed. I can relate to mine's was video games and alcohol and man, like you don't realize how much it controls you until yeah. right. And, yeah. and, and man, when, when like God, the way he delivered me from it, it was like, I tried to do it so many times on my own mm-hmm. and, and, and mm-hmm. I would succeed for a time. Right. And then I'm like, I will fall right back into it, fall right back into it. But when I like, just, just fully surrendered to him, like, just like, like you said, like your Lord overall, like it was just like literally like that. Yep. Like yep. I just lost desire for yep. alcohol, for video games. And, yep. and I just couldn't explain it. People were like, yeah, they're like, and the thing was like, I, at that point in my walk, it was the beginning of my walk, and and I still wanted to do those things, but my body was like, no, yeah, <laughs> like I wanted to still hang out with friends and yeah, do those yeah, things, yeah. and my body was like, no, and man, yeah. that's just the power of the Holy Spirit when when yeah, just just you can't do it yourself, yeah, yeah, that desire it was a big change, like a light bulb went yeah. off, like like all the desire went away, right? The temptation didn't go away. Like for anyone listening that's going, well, I'm stuck in that spot. I'm not saying that temptation disappeared. Like Satan still tempted me all the time. I'm still tempted. Right. But that desire isn't there. And when the desire fades and the Holy Spirit replaces that, you now have the ability to resist where before I didn't have the ability. I would try, but I would fail. But now like the Holy Spirit 
helps me resist those temptations yeah and we win right mm-hmm. as opposed to losing all the time yeah. right so like we have the power to to overcome those temptations again not that the temptations go away right. but the holy spirit allows us to overcome them mm-hmm. um, and that's that's where we find victory yeah. amen wow so yeah. you know go back you know along the spiritual journey where we're along this time that you know we talked a little bit about you know you being a teacher already but like when did you know like all right this is what god wants me to do like god wants me to be a teacher and and <laughs> so, actually teach and get paid to do it this time <laughs> yeah <clears throat> so people would tell me ever since high school you should be a teacher and i would always respond they don't get paid enough <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like there's no way i'm gonna be a teacher yeah. i know that teachers get paid scraps so I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I was good at math and science, engineering. You get paid a lot, and I enjoyed those things. I was like, this is going to be a great career for me. When I got to grad school for engineering, I got into a research group that was not good at all. And I don't want to go to the details of all of that because it would just be another really long story. But it essentially forced me out of engineering. And in those moments, I recognized that the things I love the most about my grad school experience was being a TA, a teacher's assistant. Mm. And I loved teaching. I had a chance to teach a class and I had a chance to have office hours and just like tutor kids all the time. And I loved those moments. I loved my office hours. I loved the time when I got to go teach the class. So I had this again, like light bulb moment. I was like, why not do that all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so there ended up, I, I I got out of um, grad school and found that in Delaware, you can, if you have a degree in a related field, you can get a teaching cert- certification. And so I just pursued that. I was able to get into you know a, a school and start teaching right away and then get my education classes kind of caught up along the way. Um, and that's how I got you know stuck mm. in Delaware. <laughs> like ended up stuck getting here. a teaching career there, yeah. So was that your first job? No. Okay, so you've all. had multiple before yeah. that. High school, I was a... Um, I was a, uh, 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 we unloaded truck for a grocery store. So we would take all the pallets of food off the trucks. We would open up the pallets and then resort them by aisle. And then people would come in after us and like stock. Wow. So I did that for a while in high school. Um, in college, I had a job one summer at a potato chip factory, the worst (laughs) factory work, not fun. Um, and then for a couple of years in college, I, I had a, a summer job as a, um, as a draftsman for an engineering company. So I was using AutoCAD and like mm. creating like blueprints and stuff. Like wow. I would create them on the computer. Uh, and then I had no idea what, no, that wasn't until you said either, blueprint. Yeah. Yeah, 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 blueprint. Yeah, yeah. I know so, that word. Yeah. So like <laughs> I was the one that was literally creating the blueprints on the computer wow. and then they would use those. Um, cool. I wasn't, I wasn't creating the buildings. Like, I was not the architect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All I did was I got the plans, the physical pieces of paper, and then I made them digital. Okay. All I did was like create the lines okay. on the computer yeah, yeah. where they were on pieces of paper before. Um, and then, you know, I had to like some tutoring jobs and things, mm-hmm. but, uh, I was like, once you hit college, it's just all like odd jobs, yeah. and, like part-time stuff. So besides the, um, you know, the grocery store is still part-time. So teaching was really kind of the first real full-time. full-time yeah. Full-time wow. job. Everything else was, you know, side jobs and part-time yeah. stuff. So yeah. what was interesting to you about teaching at a public school, right? You, you're a Christian. You believe. Yeah. Really contrary <laughs> to what 
public school kind of promotes yeah. in some areas. What was like the interest that the pull to do public instead of private? I mean, honestly, through that, like the teaching program, yeah, you, you kind of just take what you can get at first. Yeah. Um, and I ended up uh, applying for one position, didn't get it. And then at the end of the summer, we thought I was going to have to find some kind of a job over the next school year because I hadn't been hired. We were like three days away from school mm-hmm. starting and oh, I wow. hadn't found a job. And we came home one night and there was like a recording on our answering machine. It was like, hey, this is so-and-so from Middletown High School. Can you call me back? And Christy was like, oh, that's great. You should call him back. I was like, it's like six o'clock. I'm not going to call him right now. She goes, call him right now. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. I'll call I him right will. now. Yeah. He's still at school. We talk for a while. He goes, hey, can you come in and see me tomorrow? I go in. Mm-hmm. We talk a little bit more in his office. Um, and he tells me to go, you know, down the street and to this other building and talk to so-and-so. And I go in and the guy like is talking to me and asked me, you know, to sign this paper and stuff. And I was like, am I being hired? <laughs> I didn't even know what yeah. was happening. Like I was talking to the HR guy and he was like, I was filling out paperwork to be hired. So three days before school started with wow. no teaching experience whatsoever, I got hired and was thrown into a math classroom. What year was that? Uh, like 2007 or eight, uh, graduated college in 2005, like two years of grad school. So yeah, it might've been like the 2007, 2008 school year. Um, so I've been teaching for like 15 years. It's perfect time Um, to get a job right before the recession hit. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, it was math for two years and then physics for the rest of the time. But yeah, being thrown into public school, was definitely an eye opener. Yeah. You know, you're not too far removed from your own high school experience. So you feel like you remember what it is, but never from the teacher's side. Mm. I had zero classroom management skills. It was awful. <laughs> I knew my content. Yeah. Like I could teach math, but getting the kids to actually care about it and listen, man, yeah. that was another story. Like I could do all the math problems, but how do you get someone to care about it? Yeah. Uh, and that's just been 15 years of, of figuring it out. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're right. Public school's tricky, right? Yeah. There's, you know, God's nowhere to be found in there, and um, you have to navigate that. Uh, there have been some really cool opportunities where kids and teachers have mm-hmm. come to me, and we've had great conversations about things over the years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tough it's a tough place to to work and be a Christian for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point and what year did you get married? And along that that you know. Uh, so we got married right out of college. So graduated in 2005, got married in 2005. So graduate like, like May, June. And we got married in December wow. of that same year, 2005. Mm. How, long, how long were you engaged for any time or was it kind of, like, uh, we so, knew we were going to get married. Well, we had always said marry after college, right? Okay. So we knew that was coming. And so I proposed like at the end of the summer. And then again, we got married in December. So I don't know. We were probably, it was probably like a, Four month, five month oh. engagement, right? Not long. I like that. And then, and then, yeah, it's pretty short. When did the uh, the first kid come? I mean, and then after that, you know. So, so I figured we were going to hit that <laughs> eventually. <laughs> we were going to get to this point. So that is also part of the testimony, right? So we had been since we got married. Um, we had been trying to get pregnant for like three and a half years. Uh, and it wasn't not right after we got married, but there was like a three and a half year chunk of time where we were trying to get pregnant, uh, and we couldn't. Um, and there was a lot of work that God was doing on both of us in that time, but we also were praying like, God, why don't we have kids now? 
I never voiced it, but the whole time, like when we would talk about kids and like why we're not having kids again, the Holy spirit was very clear saying you're not having kids because you're still addicted to pornography. Like that was still part of my life at that point. Um, and, and I would always brush it off cause I was like, well, I'm not going to tell Christy that yeah. like, I'm not going to tell her that's why we're not having kids, even though the Holy spirit was making it very clear. That's why we're not having kids. Wow. So fast forward three and a half years, we hit that, that video game and freedom from pornography event. Right. And we get pregnant the next month. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Like there's yeah. no way that's a coincidence Yeah, that the moment God freed me from pornography, we get pregnant the very next opportunity. Yeah. Like you, you're not going to, you're not going to convince me that's a coincidence. Like God yeah. absolutely, you know, put that, yeah. that stamp of this is me. Yeah. Right. Like I'm doing this. Yeah. It's not, it's not you. Yeah. I mean, not only did it happen, it happened again and again, <laughs> and, again <laughs> and again and again and again. <laughs> so, so in that three and a half year period of time, we both, came to a, an agreement and a realization that if God ever gives us children, that we would take as many as he would give us. Mm. And and we vowed um, to never stop trying, right? To never take control of that area of our life, to completely give that to, to God. Yeah. Um, knowing that we may never have kids, right? Knowing that that could potentially mean having 20 kids, right? Like yeah. we, we knew that what we were doing would completely give God all of the room to work in that area of our life. Um, and so, yeah, we started having kids and we kept having more and more. And now we're up to six. Um, and who knows? Like, wow. You know, even though you made that promise to God, was there like a number you were like, all right, God. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we got to like, we got to like four or five and we started looking at each other going, this is starting to get really like this is where the rubber meets the road because when you have two or three, you're going, yeah. Oh God, thank you so much for three. You know, thanks for number two. Thanks for number three. Even number four, you're like four. That's great. There's so many other people that have four. And then you start hitting like five and we're going, man, like you look at how old you are and you're doing the numbers and you're like, if we have kids till, you know, we're, we're in our mid forties, like you can still have kids then I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm running out of fingers. <laughs> I don't know how many kids we could possibly have here. Um, and it gets hard. Like honest, like let's be honest, yeah. the more kids you have, the harder it is. Yeah. Every kid made it, it tougher on our family. Yeah. Um, and we just had to continually give up more. Uh, but at the same time, God was very faithful in using every child to remove more and more selfishness and pride from our lives. Mm. And we recognized it more. Like every time we had a kid and we had to give something up, we recognized this is another moment where God is saying, this is something you're holding on to yeah. that you don't need to anymore. Uh, and he's really used it in like a sanctifying way. Mm. Um, and it's funny looking back, Christy and I would have been like, we're completely sanctified by four. <laughs> and then you get to six and you're like, man, there's even more stuff to give to God. Yeah. Uh, so he's been super faithful in all of that. So, and we love all of the kids. Like yeah. it doesn't mean that like number five and six, we didn't want it just, it starts hitting you hard. Like, man, yeah. life, life is not going to look yeah, the same. Different. Yeah. It's going to look different once you hit, start hitting yeah. five and six. And yeah. so can you, what, what are other ages? I mean, it's year 2022 right now. Yeah. Just, just so that if so, everybody's listening to this in five years from now, they may have four okay. more, but yeah. could be. Um, so we are currently in a space where Jordan is 11 and then the ages go 11, nine, seven, five, three, one. 
So about every two years, and they're not exactly two years, and there are times in the year where like it's a it's eleven yeah. nine eight, you know, five three one. But like um, right now, it's it's eleven to one wow. every other. That's yeah. pretty good spacing. Yeah, um, that mean that means we got a baby shower coming up soon. <laughs> Could be. Right? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. God knows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you get this job at Middletown. Um, were you living in Middletown at the time? Um, when I first started teaching, we were up in, uh, in like the bear area, okay. but then we very quickly ended up getting a townhouse in Middletown. Mm-hmm. So did you go to church still at the church in Newark or mm-hmm. how'd you end up at Lifehouse? Throughout yeah. That so, whole event? so we, um, we were in a great church and we still love the church and know a lot of people that go there. Uh, but the, for every time we drew, uh, we, we moved South, like the church kept getting further and further yeah. away. Cause it's like Northern Newark area is the church, like up on top of Polydrum Hill road. And so we used to live in Newark, you know, and that was great. And then we moved to bear and that was still fine. Then we moved to Middletown. We're like, this is a drive, but we can do it. We didn't have any kids. Yeah. Right. We had started having our first kids when we were in the Middletown townhouse. Okay. Um, and then we you know, had two kids and three kids and we got to the point where we wanted to be engaged in everything the church was doing but driving 35, 40, 45 yeah, minutes with, kids. with yeah. kids became very challenging. And we ended up doing things like I would drive up by myself to do youth or, or go to mm-hmm. a meeting or something. And Christy would just stay home. And we started going, well, that's not like we want to do ministry together. Yeah. We don't want Christy just staying home with the kids and me always going to yeah. church. It was kind of pulling us apart. And we both felt independently kind of drawn to finding a, a, a local church where it was our community. Cause we couldn't even like, we felt awkward. You know, you, you, you meet someone or you, you, you have a friend and you're like, Hey man, you really need to come to church with me. It's 45 minutes. North. Yeah. yeah. You're like, okay. It's hard great. to convince them. First of all, and they right. like, yeah, sorry. Where's it at? Yeah. 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 No, thanks. Right. Like it was just really yeah. difficult. And we felt, we felt drawn to a community church, something that was local, right. Where, where we were ministering to people in our community and Lifehouse just kept coming up. Like Christy knew a whole bunch of people from a whole bunch of different places, you know, with, you know, mom's groups and the gym and like all different places. And they all were saying Lifehouse, right? It was just keep coming up. Yeah. So we were like, well, let's go check it out on a Wednesday night. Or actually it was a Tuesday night back, back then, right? So we went to a Tuesday night Bible study, loved it. Um, met this guy who uh, was willing to just watch our kids in the childcare room until the childcare workers got there. Uh, and at the time I didn't think about it. That's kind of, Maybe I should have asked a little bit more about his credentials. <laughs> <laughs> this guy that just wants to watch our kids um, for a couple minutes, but it was Pastor Mark. Mm. Um, and he was just there and he was totally willing to just sit with our kids so we could go to the adult Bible study until the child care workers got there. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome to see a, a, a pastor, a lead pastor that was had such a servant's heart. Um, and that's that's one of the things that really drew us to Lifehouse. Um oh but we fell in love with the people and with pastor Mark and just the the mission and vision of the church. And so we, we just kind of stayed. Mm. We never, <laughs> we never really left. We were like, well, let's come back Sunday and see what Sunday looks like. And yeah. then let's keep coming back. <laughs> and then we did. So what year was that? Oh man. Um, I think Isaac was, was like one. So maybe, I don't know, maybe like seven or eight years ago. I think we've been here maybe seven years. So close, I mean, close to the beginning. I mean, a couple years in. Yeah, we weren't in the firehouse. Like, we came EMMS. when you guys were at EMMS, yeah. right? Lifehouse was still at EMMS um, when we first started. Yeah. 
it's a couple of years in. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you come, you guys start getting involved. Um, I mean, you're an elder now, so like people come, and and uh, it's become a reality to me now because like most people that come here know I didn't work here at one point. Yeah, right. But now it's getting to the point where yeah. people come here and they're like. And then we start talking about you only been working for 15 months. And I'm like, it just, I forget that. Like yeah. when they come, they just assume you've been here for like, right. so what was that process like for you? Like when, you know, first of all, how did it even come about and how long have you been serving as an elder? As an elder? Um, so I actually, I, I had to look back. I was like, when did I become an elder? So I became an elder in 2017. So it's been like four and a half years, October. Um, and we had just like, when we came to Lifehouse again, we were always involved. So we just jumped in. I think yeah. we met Kent like right away. I was like, where's your youth pastor? Like, I want to know, I want to jump in and be yeah. a part of youth. And so we just jumped in and served where we could. Um, and you know, we just, we were happy to just serve faithfully. And one day I remember pastor Mark, um, asking if we could meet one day at Starbucks. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like let's meet. Um, and, and he asked me to pray about being an elder and I was like, Whoa, I don't know about that. <laughs> First of all, I'm super young. Mm. Like, I thought elders were supposed to be older. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, it's called an elder. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was like, man, everyone's older than me. Like, this, I don't know about this. Um, and I also knew that being an elder was going to come with a lot of weight and a lot of responsibility. So yeah. I went home and I talked to Christine. We prayed um, about it. And we both, we both felt the Holy Spirit saying, yes, move forward with it. But we also acknowledged to each other that it was probably going to change our lives. Yeah. Like we, we were going to have to, again, start giving things up. Like our life was going to look a little different to be an elder, um, knowing we were going to be involved in a lot more things. Uh, and, and we both said, you know what? That's the next step of spiritual growth. We really do. We felt like that would grow us, mm. both of us, yeah. and, and stretch us in different ways. Um, and so, you know, prayerfully and humbly, we said, yes, we would do that. Not honestly, not knowing what that was going to look like. I had no clue what an elder did. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Like, I guess, tell me what, what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> but, you know, if you, if, if you feel like I would be a good elder and I can serve the church in that way, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. in. So it's been four and a half years of just learning. It's, it's been like on the job training. Like, yeah. what, what is an elder? What, what am I supposed to be doing? Right. Uh, and, and how does that look here? And, at and you know what you're saying right now, like that's the heart behind this next few episodes, just our church getting to know our elders mm-hmm. and then also culminating by talking about what elders are. Cause yeah. the same way you felt at that time, a lot of people come here and they're like, they know, Oh yeah, they're, you know, there's some type of position of authority, but I don't know what it like, <laughs> yeah. what that is or what. So that's the heart behind it. We want to help people understand what it is that el- elders do and, and, I mean, it's, it's a lot, like you said, it's a, it's a lot of weight. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. that go behind it and, yeah. and, but it's a, it's a, it's also a beautiful thing and, and our hearts to help our partners and regular attenders understand what that is. And that, that'll be coming down the road. Um, so what, what, when in 2017 did you become an elder? October. Man. So I, I man, see, and that's funny, right? Cause I came in December of 2017 and for me, it's just like, Jason's always been an elder. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> literally, I know it just yeah, happened no, I, two weeks, <laughs> two months before I got yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there was a process there, right? Like, so I think for a couple months before that, um, the church was told, you know, these are some candidates, please look at them. If there's anything, if you know anything in their lives that right. doesn't line up with being an elder, like come talk to the the staff mm. and the current elder. So there was like a process there. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I think in October is when like, they brought us up front and kind of made that official. Right. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, you served as an interim youth pastor. Oh, man. We, yes, we got Jarvis. to work together a lot, which was super <laughs> cool. Um, I mean, it's such a good period of time uh, to be. But so what was that experience like for you? Oh, that was so crazy. Um, it was such a crazy but awesome time, right? Yeah. Super hectic. And I feel like it was a glimpse into full, what full-time ministry looks like, yeah. right? For a moment. Um but I was still teaching. I mean, it's yeah. not like I'd stopped teaching <laughs> full time. I was job. like full time teaching <laughs> and then full time like youth leader, like full time yeah. youth leader. We were we were doing the whole thing. And the only way it worked is because we had an amazing support like group of mm. of um, volunteer youth leaders. Yeah. Right. When I think back at that time, we had just a room full of amazing leaders that loved kids. I'm not saying we don't have that, but like that's the only way that it worked because I didn't have a 40 hour work week to pour into youth. I had to lean on all these leaders and they did an amazing job um, at at supporting us and really like helping us along. Uh, But man, was that crazy. And and like, we went on, on like big youth trips and like Jarvis, you you remember the, uh, the wildness that was was wild. Uh, the youth trips, but um, it it always brings a smile to me. When I think yeah. about those times, it was it was great. And look, I, I know that I was asked, like, do you want to do this full time? Like during that period, yeah. like Pastor Mark definitely asked. He was like, maybe maybe you just want to keep doing this. <laughs> um, and I prayed and I fasted hard, and I didn't feel a green light. Mm. And at the end of the day, I do feel like full time ministry is something you are called yeah. to. And I did not want to step into something that God wasn't calling me into because that's just going to fail, right? Mm-hmm. I would have been stepping into something on my own strength. And maybe, who knows, like maybe God would have honored that yeah. and like helped me in the moment, but I definitely didn't feel called. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, I talk to Pastor Mark or Rob or, or other pastors and they talk about the call to ministry, I just didn't have that. I didn't have that burden of like, if I say no, the Holy Spirit's just going to like burn, you know, my, my, my insides apart. Right. You know, that like burning feeling that you can't get away from, Mm -hmm. it wasn't there. And I was praying for it. I was like, God, you got to give it to me either, either give me a burning desire to do this full time or, or don't. Um, and I didn't feel that. And so I just felt like that meant God had someone else in line and it was just my job to, to maintain while, you know, while that we were season, in that, yeah. yeah, that season. Um, and it was a great season. It was an awesome, it was awesome. season. Yeah. It really was. So, I mean, we, me and Jarvis went through a book. What was it called? Discerning your call to ministry. Yeah, yeah. And there's a quote in there that says, uh, cause he's trying to help you realize if, if, are you called to do this? And he quotes, he says, if you can envision yourself doing anything else, then you're probably not called to ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. and me and Jarvis are like, and we like, we can't. And, yeah. and that's how, you know, like, I'm like, yep. I can't see like even the thing that I'll be most passionate about. Like the only thing I think I'll probably if like probably be like a sports commentator, which mm-hmm. I never would do that because I'm just not good at it. <laughs> but that's the only thing I could probably see myself having pleasure doing, like calling the game. Yeah. Um. But no, no. There's yeah. I agree. I mean, yeah. There's definitely that that call is yeah. just like something you cannot ignore. And yeah. So how long were you the interim youth youth pastor? I mean, it wasn't even a year. Uh, it was it was just a couple months. I mean. At least it, feel, it, it, felt it felt like, like a year, that. right? It felt like a long time too, though. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know. I don't, I don't know. think it was a full year. It might not. Have it was, been. No, it I didn't teach. Months. I didn't yeah. teach an entire year. I know it was definitely a, quite a few months, and and I mean, 
being one of the leaders there at the time, like you definitely like as you were growing into it and then Danny came, it was like, it was just like, like you were just, you know groove. what it was like. So we took over either late fall into winter and then Danny came by the summer because we took our trip in the summer. Yeah. Right. It was oh. a summer trip. So it was really okay, just yeah. kind of from like fall uh, winterish to midsummer. If yeah. Kent left in like November, right? Yeah. So yeah. So like late November. Late fall, to, yeah. So November July. to like June, trip, July. That trip yep. we took, huh. he was actually already here. Right. But, but something he couldn't happened. go. Yeah. He couldn't go. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it really wasn't. It was maybe six months. Yeah. Yeah. At best. Right. It felt longer than that. Yeah. It totally felt longer <laughs> than that. <laughs> I, I just remember like the last few weeks, like we knew. That it was coming to an end because we knew that Danny yeah. was higher right. and that it right, was coming. Right, right. But man, like the the further he got along, I'm like, man, he's just like getting into the groove. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, so so after experience, even though God was like, no, this is not it. Like today, do you, is, you still don't feel that calling at all? Do you think it's something God would do, or you think it's just the way you are right now? So when when you said that quote about like if you if you can't imagine yourself doing anything else. I can't imagine myself doing anything but teaching. I really feel like God has called me to teaching and being in a public school as hard as that is. Like I have the ability to be a light in a very dark place at times. Yeah. Um, And I feel like that's, that's my call to be a teacher and to be in that environment. Yeah. And when I, if I ever think about what would happen if I wasn't a teacher, like I can't, I can't think of what else I would do or mm-hmm. want to do. I mean, there's things I, I, I might desire to do, but I can't imagine myself doing anything but teaching. Yeah. And, and I mean, and but that's valuable because all of our lay elders have jobs that they love to do. And, and, but if, if you got paid for what you did here and you were checking clocking in and out, you would have a part-time job here with the amount of stuff you still, you're still doing it, yeah. Yeah. but you are still doing something that you're passionate right. about on top of that. Absolutely. I mean, you guys are in here, I would say twenty hours yeah. a week still. I mean, when you, yeah. when you put all the all the people you're meeting right, with right, and right. the Bible, like you're. I mean, it's like you work here part time. Pretty much vocational, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and but I mean, I think God. I mean, God does that for a reason because mm-hmm. not everybody can work at the church, That's but right. we need people yeah. that are willing to do work for the church, right? And not work at the church. And and yeah. I mean, it's a blessing to all the layouts we have because you guys all pour your hearts out. Yeah, definitely. So you, you do a lot of things, right? We, we've been talking about it. Right? You're a husband, a yeah. father, teacher, elder. Yeah. You know, you said you, you used to coach, right? And you yeah, said you, yeah, you've done all of these things. How do you balance all of them together? Man, you just got to get really good at juggling, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely a balance, and sometimes you don't strike the right balance, but it has to be prayerful. And honestly, I couldn't do any of this without Christy. Mm. Like, she keeps me centered and focused, and, like, we are absolutely a team in everything. Yeah. Um, so like our, our marriage is super important and then family from there, um, and our kids being able to see what a healthy marriage looks like is super important and developing our family and pouring into our kids and pointing them to Christ. Um, and honestly, you know, teacher oftentimes falls way down on that list. I mean, I see some teachers that just are killing it and they're like doing, they're bending over backwards for their students and when I look at my, my teaching, like I, I clock in and out and I do everything I can when I'm there. But like when I come home, I'm, I'm a husband, I'm a father, yeah. right? I'm an elder. I'm not, when I leave the building, I'm no longer a teacher. Mm-hmm. Like I don't bring work home. I have way too much else on this list to deal <laughs> with once I leave the building. Yeah. Uh, and that's just been something that I have, I, I had to like reconcile with mm-hmm. that. I, I can't spend 
time at home trying to make my teaching better or perfect my teaching. I just have to use the time that I have. And I hope that God blesses that, right? That I, I, I have that bubble of time when I'm at school and that's what I use. Yeah. Um, mm. All those other things are just more important. Husband, father, elder, they just take precedence. So you've been here for about eight years, been yeah. elder for four and a half years, going on five years. So what is your favorite memory here at Lifehouse? Um, so one of my favorite memories, and I, I pray that I'll have a few more like this, is when um, I got to baptize Lily. Mm. Um, so she's my oldest daughter. She's nine now. A couple of years ago, she wanted to get baptized, and I got to, to do that. And that was amazing. It was an awesome experience. Um, but almost more so, and like if Lily's listening, I love you. And this takes nothing away from your baptism. But um, a few baptisms ago, we got to see Steve Faulkner, one of our other elders, baptize his grandson. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he kind of, he broke down in the middle of that. I don't know if you guys remember. Yeah. Like he couldn't even like go through and say what he needed to say. He just like yeah. broke down and you could see in that moment his heart for his, his grandchildren and how much time and energy he poured into yeah. like pointing them to Christ. And this moment of baptism just like was such a joy for him and seeing that, with all of my other Lifehouse family members, like that was such a cool moment to see this is like all of the people that have poured into that little child led to this moment where, where Steve got to, to have this great experience of baptizing him. It was so cool, right? Is in, I'm sharing stories that Steve probably wants to share. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> no, sorry, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, me, no, I'm saying that, that's good. What I'm about to share too. He just like, we're recording this on a Thursday and just last night we had team kid and he was just telling me how that boy, which is the younger one. Yeah. Just led his older brother to the Lord yesterday. Oh, no way. Like, and I think it was in the parking lot of, of ours. Like he led his older brother to the Lord. I said like, it's, Whoa, it's so that's cool. so cool. Yeah. Oh, that's such a cool story. That is awesome. That is crazy. Oh, um, wow. I'm sure Steve will tell that. Yeah. <laughs> He'll tell that when he goes on. He definitely will. Uh, so, you know, yeah. you know, there's so much, I mean, there's so much more we could talk about and, and there's so much, it's so hard yeah. to get it all into one episode, but man, it's, it's awesome for, you know, our church to get to know you better. And when me and Jarvis yeah. do this, we typically know the people, but we always learn more about them yeah, and fair. get to know them better. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, so it was always fun. But uh, then we, we have the, our, as you know, because you're a regular listener. I'm ready our, for it. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Like, I've listened to all of them. I know this is coming. <laughs> He's been preparing right now. That's right. Every on. episode. Bring it on. Really? All right. Let's go. Favorite food. Thanksgiving dinner. Thanksgiving dinner. So turkey, like. The full nine yards. got to be everything. It's not just like. Give me a plate of turkey. That's not it. Okay. It's got to be everything. The this turkey, just, the mashed potatoes, the gravy, the filling. I, I remember right. you just saying this recently. I'm yeah. like, it's it's one of those things you don't get it very often. Yeah, like yeah. you get Thanksgiving dinner once a year, once a year, really, and maybe like some leftovers yeah, the next yeah, day. Yeah. But like, it's a one, yeah, once a year meal. Man. I love it. And you go everything, turkey. Oh, yeah, stuffing, I need, I need, potatoes. I literally need like two plates. Okay, you know, it's everything. Are you, are you uh, a Wawa gobbler guy? What? I'm sorry. You're the Wawa gobbler. That's not Thanksgiving dinner. No, 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 no. I'm no. just saying, do you like the Wawa gobbler? I don't even it's know a, what that is. It's a, it's a Thanksgiving sandwich. It's it's literally turkey. Oh, is it the stuffing. same as the Bobby? 
Oh, I don't know. Oh no, what's the? Bobby? You guys don't know what a bobby is? No, it's From, a thanks. It's like Thanksgiving on a on a sub. That's okay. That's so that's pretty much what the yeah. gobbler they just stole is. The it's bobby. called the Wawa Gobbler. Is mm. everything on? Okay, for those of you listening, Bobby's so much better, right? <laughs> <laughs> How about your favorite hobby? Uh, probably disc golf. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would say golf, but I know I have no time to do that. Like, yeah. I might be able to squeeze in some disc golf, and honestly, I really love disc golfing now. Huh. I'm like, I don't even know what that it's is. It's like frisbee. Yeah, like you're throwing frisbees you at the basket. No, no oh, that's okay, skeet okay. shooting. <laughs> I know you're talking about now. No, and honestly, I got into disc golf because I didn't have time or money to play regular golf. It's expensive. It's super expensive. Like yeah. once I got out of college and I, I had to start paying for it myself. Yeah. yeah. Like nope. So I got into disc golf because it's the same idea. It's like you against the course. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that as well. Huh. Uh, so I played that a ton okay. for like a couple years before kids. And then it's like faded off. I don't really play huh. much at all. I but about, I, if I, was, I have an opportunity, <laughs> I love disc golf. I've seen was, some crazy things. Yeah, I was walking. I think it was Lum's Pond. We were, we, me yeah. and family walked around, and I'm like, what are these things? Oh, just man. We'll have to go around. sometime. We'll have to go sometime. No, show you all of a sudden, I hear, I'll hear ding, ding. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh, that's what that's for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bouncing it off the ground. Some crazy shots. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So what is your, you know, sometimes people have our some answers. So your favorite <laughs> book or something that just really impacted you? Uh, do you want like fiction or nonfiction? Either. Okay. Both. Give us one of each. Okay. So Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis. Okay. Um, and I love Chronicles of Narnia, also mm. C.S. Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> but both of those are really, really good. I've been listening to the audiobook. So on, on Audible, you can buy for like one credit, which I think is a steal. You can buy all, I think, five or seven or however many. The Chronicles? Of the, yeah, the, yeah. the series. And it like reads them to you. Oh, that's great. So I bought it for, for the one credit. I was like, sweet. Yeah, that's a steal. So I bought them all and I've been listening to them. It's pretty like cool. Them? Yeah. I've yeah. never, I've only seen the movie. Side note, this is the longest rapid fire we've ever done, but <laughs> I can't, I can't help but ask this now as a teacher. Cause I like audiobooks too. Does that count as reading? <sighs> this mean, is where the, this is where it counts. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I'm not an English teacher. So Still. Does it count? But you're not reading. You're listening. You're listening. So if you're, if the question is, is it reading? No, it's not reading. So at the end of, so if you finish the book, would you say you have read a book? No, that's not reading. You've listened to a book. You've listened to a book. I'm not gonna say names. There's a pastor that I like, and he says he reads like 80 books a year, but like almost all of them are auto books. So I guess he's a liar. I don't know. I mean, the word "read" means like <laughs> I, I, I get you. I get you. Like I don't know. I'm I'm in the camp. That's that's a book. You f- you finished if the you, book. If you turn a movie on and close your eyes the whole time, and just listen to the movie. Did you watch a movie? I would say yeah. You watched the movie with your <laughs> eyes closed. My, in a sense, I'm getting everything. So with with the book, this is a long <laughs> rabbit fire. <laughs> but with the book, it, so the, the movie maybe you didn't watch the movie right because you just listened to it because okay. there is a visual effect sure to the movie but there's not really a visual you're right effect you're to right the, the same words are being either read to you or you're exactly. reading them in your head yourself so they're the same thing okay just different avenues okay i'm yeah. i'm in the camp and with my comprehension level it's probably i'm probably getting more from them reading it to me than me reading it <laughs> gotcha <laughs> there's probably a word that we're not using that, that essentially means like them. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> has taken in the yeah. book yeah sure so people try to discredit me and say that i've been i've listened to like three audiobooks already <laughs> i'm like i read a book yeah well I and mean, you know the, all the I stuff i finished in the book. a book yeah exactly. you finished a book there you go yeah I finished yeah a book. that's really good that's how i'm gonna do it they'd be yes. like you read it nah, nah i finished it i just finished it <laughs> <laughs> how about your favorite preacher dead or alive so, uh, fun fact, Jason 
Gridler does not listen to a lot of other preachers. I just okay. don't. Um, I don't have access to a lot of like audio. I'm, I can't like put ear earbuds in yeah, and work. Well, yeah, yeah, like I can't do that while I'm teaching. So like, that's kind of all he's teaching it as his AirPod um, in or something. But look, yeah. I, I love pastor Mark. I know it says preacher, not pastor. I love pastor Mark cause he's an awesome pastor, but at yeah. the same time, I love listening to him as a preacher. Um, but at the end of the day, like I don't have a favorite. I just love anyone who preaches God's word. Mm. Uh, when, when you're, when you're preaching God's word effectively, I love listening to it. Um, I will say I have a spot, soft spot for my dad as well. Like I grew up listening to him, not necessarily preach, but do a lot of Bible studies and teaching. Yeah. Um, and I loved listening to my dad preach God's word. Yeah. Yeah. And you already hinted at this, but your favorite Bible verse is in James, right? It is in James. I actually have two. One is James five sixteen, and that's what I was hinting at before. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. And that's like a life verse. That was the the thing that changed. And I didn't even know that. Like afterwards, I read this verse and it like, like ran me over like a truck, right? I'm going, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. I confessed my sins and God <laughs> healed me. Yeah, like yeah. God's word is true. Right? Um, but secondarily, Job 38, 3. Maybe one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and it makes me laugh, but it also keeps me humble, right? So if you know the story of Job, like everything fell apart in his life, right? And he didn't know why. We kind of have the inside scoop, but he's he cries out over and over again for God to show up and answer him, right? To like tell him why these things were happening. And so God eventually does show up in chapter 38 in a whirlwind. And this is the first time God actually speaks to Job. And Job's like saying, you know, why is this happening to me? He's looking for answers. Yeah. And God's first response to him, so humbling, says, get ready to answer me like a man. When I question you, you will inform me. And he goes on to ask Job like hundreds of questions about the universe and creation yeah. wow. and essentially reveals how big God is and yeah. how little we are. But it always makes me laugh because Job was literally like his skin is falling off. He's yeah. got boils everywhere. He has lost everything. He has nothing left. And when God shows up, he's like, he doesn't say, you know what, Job? Good job. Like you've, you've really endured yeah. well. He says, get ready to answer me like a man and you will inform me yeah. when I question you. Yeah. Right. And it just makes me so humble every single time. Like I have no idea what what god is really doing yeah. like his ways are so much higher not a little bit higher like so much higher yeah. that verse always puts it back in perspective that i have no clue my job is to just fall on my face and yeah. worship a god that i cannot comprehend yeah but i'm so glad he loves me <laughs> like, <laughs> i read for like the last six years i read the bible through read through the bible every year and every year i get to job you know, sometimes I read it chronologically. Sometimes I read it, you know, the way it's, it's in the Bible. But yeah. I always, when, when every time I get to Job, I'm just I can't wait till I get to that part because it's just like <laughs> it's just like like he just lays the smackdown on them after all. That. He, he <laughs> like, does like he just goes chapter after chapter of all these questions, and I love the questions because God's yeah. asking all these like detail, intricate yeah. questions about creation. It's like, were you know, were you there when I laid the foundation of the earth? Like, yeah. do you know how this animal does this thing? And every time the answer is no, yeah. like, no, no, I don't know. I know. I 
Mm. Well, it's so humbling. We're so thankful. We're, yes. we're finally able to get one of our lay elders on. Or we're trying our best to get all of our elders, and we've still got some staff members to get to. It just gets really busy around here, and, and, and we just always miss each other. So we're excited that we were able to get Jason on, and we look forward to getting the rest of our lay elders on, and then eventually just talking about what the role of an elder is and what that looks like. That's great. And how and how we are called to serve the church, how how we're called to submit to elders, and all that good stuff. Like it, it, yeah. it, it gets it gets really in depth. But I'm looking forward to that. Thank you, Jason. Thank, Thank you, Christy, you. Yeah. for allowing him to be here. Yeah, right. Being with the <laughs> yeah. kids for another hour and a half, probably. Um, I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. Of course. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Life Talk Podcast. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. You can see new episodes in your feed each week. Until next time.